0: What's up, everybody? This is FTW with Ahmad Khan. I'm Ahmad Khan of Tom's Guide, and joining me today on this I'm Coming Home edition is Dot Esports's Jacob Wolf. That still feels really weird
1: to hear, but I like it. Uh,
0: thank you for having me, Ahmad. It's uh,
1: it's odd to be introduced to Dot Esports once again after all these years, but I'm I'm super stoked about
0: uh, about being back. So thank you for having me on the pod. I'm glad you're stoked. In November of last year, ESPN announced a round of layoffs. Included in that round was ESPN Esports. Jacob, probably the most prominent breaking news reporter in the space, was let go, along with Tyler Erzberger, Emily Rand, and other editors and producers. Since then, Jacob has been fielding a host of offers, but ultimately decided to go back to Dot Esports, the publication that hired him at 18. Both Jacob and I worked at the Daily Dot at the same time. We both have a ton of respect for Dot .esports' editor, Kevin Morris, who acted as a mentor to us both. So Jacob, first things first, why .esports? So yeah, you mentioned
1: Kevin. I would say Kevin is a huge component of this entire process for me. You know, I think one thing, and I guess I'll sort of like scope out and talk a little bit just briefly about the offers. So as I mentioned in my Medium post, I talked to more than 30 different publications and sports leagues and... Uh, old media, new media, kind of ranging the gamut. Startups about potentially coming on. Uh, I even had one conversation in which I could potentially be a player agent. Um, so yeah, I really like took every single conversation the past few months. And uh, in the end, what kind of resonated with me most is that a friend of mine who is very high up in the esports space and used to be uh, a like, top executive in a, in a handful of manufacturing and electronics companies said to me that, like, you have to go with people you trust. And, you know, I had a lot of great opportunities put in front of me. We ended up narrowing it down in the end to three different places. And the other two had really different ideas of what I would do. And I enjoyed exploring all of them. But in the end, like to me, working with Kevin again and working at Dot felt feels like it's going to be really comfortable. You know, I trust Kevin. Him and I were able to get a covid safe outdoor coffee uh, about three and a half months ago, four months ago in October, early October before the ESPN news was out. And, you know, he had kind of just laid it on me over a Facebook message. Uh, it was just like, what if you came back to Dot? Would you would that even interest you? And I called him and sort of told him what was going on, as you know, uh, and as was mentioned in the post piece, and I've said before, I was planning on leaving ESPN in January anyway, regardless of what happened with the layoffs. Um, and so, yeah, Kevin and I like talked through it and what that would look like, and the layoffs really made my life easier. There there were some contractual clauses and other things that would make it a little bit more difficult to leave ESPN. Uh, it wasn't super easy to break free if, if they didn't want me to. Um, but by essentially telling me and my colleagues they didn't want us there anymore, it made it really easy to leave. And And I ended up leaving early. I left about two <laughs> weeks after the layoffs were announced. Um, and I wasn't scheduled to leave until actually tomorrow would have been my, my last day, January the 4th. Um, so... Yeah, I, you know, working with Kevin and that prospect was really appealing. And I would say every conversation I had with him and with Riyadh, who is uh, the CEO of the Gamers Group, uh, the ownership group behind Dot Esports, so much of it focused on content. A lot of the conversations I had in this process were like, here's how much money we're going to pay you. And like, here's, you know, what it looks like to grow within this company. But at the end of the day, a lot of the places I talked to couldn't really focus on the content. The... Final three in this decision-making process really did focus on content, and there were a few others that we had declined up to that point who had also focused on content. But to me, it felt like, here's a publication that I think has a really good foundation. I think if you go to .esports.com, it's almost like a utility. That was the word I used in a conversation with Riyadh and Kevin. You know, you load up and you can find everything that happened in a single day of esports. Every piece of news across every game title, right? It's very comprehensive. It's almost like a newspaper in a lot of ways. And I see that as a really good foundation to build upon and to really go back to a lot of what made Dot really special years ago in terms of original reporting. You know, they had so many great reporters go through that door. Cody Connors, uh, Patrick Howell O'Neill, William Turton. Richard Lewis, Josh Raven, right? Like there are so many people that have worked there before. And, and, you know, I was very fortunate to be a part of that early in my career. And to me, like, I want to go back and hone in on that again with Kevin, who I think is as much of that process as anyone else. And I think that having the opportunity to both do what I want to do with an editor that I trust, who I think is very excellent at what he does, and then also being able to build that environment for other writers, that is super, super exciting to me.
0: One thing that you mentioned, I kind of want to compliment Kevin because I do consider him probably one of the most important editors that I had early in my career. When I, you know, you and I kind of jumped into journalism at the same time. For you, it was a bit, well, kind of like after high school. I mean, early into college before you dropped out, and for me, it was after college. And he was one of those editors in which I'm sure you've had the editor that you know takes your copy, takes your work kind of rewrites it and just publishes it. Kevin was one of the few editors that would <laughs> to kind of sit you aside and work with you to try to help you improve and grow. And I just didn't know editing could be done like that. And, you know, I uh, I will announce today that, uh, you know, I'll be starting a new editor role as well. And I plan on like bringing a lot of that same value that Kevin brought to the esports space because the esports space, in my opinion, or is still needing for some like high quality journalism that's driven by strong reporting and good editing.
1: Yeah, I think I tried to take a lot of what Kevin taught me and as I grew at ESPN and learned from other editors myself, pass it off to, you know, you had this experience because we got to work together on uh, some of the stuff you did at ESPN and really just like trying to use those smarts and expertise and pass them on right like pass them on to other people we were working with on a freelance basis and the people who were on staff with us too um but that ultimately was not my job it was not a part of my job description right like we had dedicated editors we had a lot of editors at ESPN and so it was their job to do that and I but what I'm really excited about is being able to do more of that right being able to give back to younger writers less experienced writers um regardless of age And really help them grow and develop while also myself being a subject matter expert. You know, like I'm in the weeds of reporting on esports every single day. I know the people, I know the characters. And so it's exciting to be able to blend those experiences and to do it from the person that, to your point, really taught me that editing could be done that way. You know, one thing that I missed about working with Kevin is that when I first moved out to Austin in my first tent, daily dot and dot esports like every single friday we would have a meeting where we go into the conference room we'd go through everything i wrote that week we'd go through like what i was working on and we'd like hash it out together and that feels really good it not only does it feel rewarding right to know that you're doing something well if, if that's a positive meeting but also in times where it wasn't where i was writing poorly or i wasn't getting what i needed to do correct uh that feedback was super helpful because it made me want to grow and so it's exciting to be able to work with him again. I think you know he's got a a pretty diverse editing team too, in terms of background and experience and I'm excited to work with them, although I don't know them as well uh as I know him but i'm i and I think that there are some really talented writers already in the dot uh feather in the cap uh or feather in the cap to feathers in the cap to say um that I'm looking forward to working with too and I've started to talk to some of them over the past few days it's, uh, we didn't want this to get too far out of hand between sort of the small group that knew. Um, but I am really, really stoked to be able to kind of merge those experiences and give back because it does matter to me. I think a lot of journalism as a whole uh, involves sort of stepping on the people below you and ignoring them. I don't like that. I like being able to sort of help everyone. Um, I shouldn't have to step on you to know that I'm better than you at what I do. I should just do a better job overall. That That's kind of my, my mm. thinking, right? Is like, I shouldn't have to hurt someone to do better. I should just be doing better myself.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of going into my next question. I mean, Dot .esports, we've had a bunch of their writers um, on this show before, and they're all great, but they're all still very young, and uh, they're still kind of learning the ropes in in, in many ways. So, Jacob, I mean, when it comes to this young, talented pool of writers, I mean, what do you want to impart on them as... I mean, would you be their boss in a
1: way? No, I will not be uh, their boss. I don't have any direct reports in my new role right now, although I think that... One thing that's really been preached to me and explained to me by Riyadh and to Kevin is that this is a role of growth. So, like, I hope one day that we do have an investigative department at Dotty Sports, and I hope that I'm those people's bosses. Um, that would be fantastic, and I think that's why you see the, the title investigative lead is a part of that, um, because for now that means leading by example, right, and being a peer to these people. Um, but I do think that in the future there's a world where, like, we have maybe we have a freelancer or someone who's excelling really well on in the investigative side of things, and we want to extend a full time job offer to them, and then they could come work for me. Like that's totally possible, and it's something we've discussed. So I'm not going to be anybody's boss straight out the gate, um, but I do want to be collaborative to everyone uh, that works at Dotty Sports right now. Um, like I said, I've, I've started to get to know some of them more and more, um, for the ones that I didn't already know previously. But yeah, to me, like, I I do want to be able to be collaborative and help everyone uh, who are my colleagues. I think that there is something special there. And I think it's also really, like, what's the testament here, right, is that there's been a ton of cycling of talent at Dot Esports uh, since you and I worked there and, and also even before then, right? Like, we, were, we weren't there when it started. Uh, we both came in two years into its life or three years into its life, Um And you look at that, and they've been successful through all of that. It's been seven years, right, since they launched in 2012, uh, or seven or eight years, I guess, eight years technically. Um, And you look at that, and to me, like, that means something, right? There are many publications that last eight years in esports, and they're doing it, and they're not only doing it, but they're finding ways to make it work in monetization and everything else. And, like, that to me was another big part of this cost analysis is to go into – a place that has itself buttoned up on the business side of things and not somewhere that's like trying to figure out business while also trying to figure out editorial.
0: The Washington Post, uh, Noah Smith interviewed both you and Morris about the announcement. You know, in the Post article, you state that ESPN esports was understaffed and spread thin, and that ultimately esports was a lower priority for ESPN. A spokesperson for ESPN hit back by stating, quote, Esports at ESPN.com was by far our lowest traffic section and was among the most resourced relative to traffic and compared to other sections. Both considerations were factored into the difficult decision we had to make as a result of the pandemic's impact on our business. We are still committed to esports as an opportunity to expand our audience. So first, what are your reactions with that statement specifically?
1: Yeah, I mean, I said what I said. I think that the response that they gave, which I didn't see until the article was actually posted... Is that they don't really understand necessarily that, that esports is more than one game, right? Like, we were more staffed than relative to traffic and everything else than, say, the NFL or the MLB or the NBA. Doesn't mean we had as many writers as those, but if you do the fractions, obviously that's correct. But in the end, like, being a League of Legends expert and being a Fortnite expert could not be more different. Right. So you have to look at it from a different perspective. We operated in 2020 with zero freelance budget, right? This is something I heard you and Aaron talk about as, as ex ESPN freelancers on this podcast. When uh, the layoffs were made, like, we had no freelance budget being, having to spread ourselves that thin across that many games as three writers, myself, Tyler and Emily, and then Arda who would contribute on the writing side of things too. It was really difficult. So sure. You can say like, they can say that we had more staff relative, but like, that's not considering that each game has to have a unique take on it. And it's really hard to cover more than one of them. You know, I think that for me, like I can cover five pretty effectively, which is League of Legends, Valorant, Call of Duty, Overwatch, and Smash. Um, And Counter-Strike 2, although I didn't do as much of that at at ESPN, so I guess technically six. Um, But it's really hard to keep up with all six of those, much less, you know, the 20-plus games that cover the esports beat. Um, So... I, that statement to me just read like they were considering esports to be a monolith, and honestly, I think that was part of the problem in the first place.
0: You know, to me, it read a lack of taking responsibility for the failure that was ESPN esports. Because then, you know, I'll be I'll be critical now, especially now that the uh, the vertical is has folded. But when it first started off. It, there there seemed to be a lot of strong editorial direction in making sure that they were covering all their spaces as well as possible by having a robust freelance budget. Now, their freelance rates were never good, and if you want to hear about freelancers complaining about ESPN Esports, do uh, tune into the uh, episode a few a few back with uh, Aaron Garson and I. But, you know, they were covering their bases, essentially. And because of financial hardships that were caused in 2019, where, you know, so much of the budget was kind of sucked dry... I mean, it was completely dry in 2020. And then you also look at the editorial direction at ESPN esports, which I found really kind of bizarre because let's say for you, I mean, I enjoyed your piece on Spider-Man, Miles Morales, but is that really leveraging your talents as an esports reporter? No, I mean, that was part of my frustration, right? Is that I was,
1: I said to management at the end of 2019, that I wanted to become a better feature writer. That was taken as me wanting to be more feature writer than reporter, right? Me wanting to improve was taken that way. And I, and I think that's just wrong, right? Like I lost a lot of scoops and part of this is on me. I'm not blame, blaming them altogether, but I lost a lot of scoops because I was either on a show or prepping for one or writing something that didn't have anything to do with, with the scoop or with the news. And what bothers me, right? Is, is that, uh, I wanted to continue to break news. Like that's so much of what I did in 2017 and 2018 when we won awards as a company in 2018 when I won my own. Um, and that's what I wanted to get back to. And I, like when I met feature writing, I met like investigative hard nose stuff that uses the reporting that I have kind of become famous for in long form storytelling and feature writing that way, not writing features. And, and to be clear, I did really like the spider Spider-Man piece that you referenced, but at the same time, like, no, that could have been written by someone else. That wasn't something that only Jacob Wolf, the reporter in eSports who's connected to all these big executives and teams and players could do. And that's what I want to do more of at Dot .esports. Um, hmm. And I always felt that, frankly, some of that just didn't happen because there was a lack of understanding of the subject and a lack of understanding of who I was and what I wanted to do and my ambitions. Um I would say, frankly, a lot of my ambition, this is just my personal perspective, a lot of my ambition felt like it was a hindrance to ESPN, not a good thing. Uh, Whereas, you know, working with Kevin previously and and excited about working with him now, like, I think that ambition's a good thing. Like, me being hungry should be a good thing. I'm young. I don't burn out as easily. Um, But I was really burned out from ESPN from doing a lot of things that I felt weren't necessarily a
0: good use of my time. Can you look back and recall the point in time in which... ESPN eSports kind of jumped the shark and from there it was just like a point of no return. Mm, that's a good question. I
1: I don't know if there was one specific point. I would just say that, you know, we, if you look at the the section, Darren Kolinsky was the top editor for eSports 2016, to 2017. And then that changed. Um eventually we had some changes and we were moved around and, and Ryan Garfat came in and and Ryan was uh in place but had a series of different bosses too he was reorged eventually and then we had Elizabeth Ball in the end and uh, but along the way someone in that that higher up either their bosses or their bosses bosses boss anywhere in the chain in between would change and to me it just felt like every time something changed someone else had a different idea of how to do this it didn't feel like something like Dot has uh, from the outside and the inside where there's one person uh, kind of guiding the ship and creating his vision, right? Or the, her vision. Um, and, you know, that to me, like, I understand people move on and do other jobs, but at the same time, it just felt like there wasn't a lot of fluidity. And, you know, I maybe there's a different perspective and people disagree with me on that, but I don't think there was one singular moment. I just think it was like, erosion over time um and like ultimately here's what i can say like the way espn wanted to cover esports and the way i wanted to cover esports were fundamentally different and that's why i was going to leave anyway um and that's fine they can think about it however they want to and they can say they're going to continue to esports in esports however they want to too i mean i think that will be more traditional sports coverage traditional sports esports coverage of madden nba 2k etc um but i think there's a huge audience here in league of legends Counter-Strike, Valorant, etc., that's not being served properly, and I'm really excited about doing that somewhere else. I was excited about doing it at ESPN, too, but I was only given so much rope to do that.
0: And then, what do you make of the claims that, you know, it was, by being lowest trafficked, it was maybe seen as invaluable, or, I mean, to what extent was that a mismanagement of esports, or, or the esports vertical, or is that just a lack of growth in the esports space and the audience I would want to read journalistic content.
1: I mean, I do think that there's a little bit of a reading problem in eSports, although I think it's slightly exaggerated because oftentimes it's a lot of the content is uninteresting. That said, uh, I'll put it this way, right? We struggled for a long time to get eSports articles on page one. And for people who are unfamiliar with that, that is ESPN.com with no other, no other things out of that. It's their aggregated homepage. It's their app, etc. Uh, a lot of the traffic that other departments got in the company came from that, came from having their articles listed on the front page. And we struggled for a really long time to get people interested in things other than stuff like Fortnite or giant investments by an athlete. Those are the two things that hit pretty consistently on page one. Whereas like, the NBA department or the NFL department had stuff on there every single day. Um, I don't think it was super important to be on page one, particularly because I think our biggest goal should have been rather than just getting traffic. It should have been, well, has these people, and actually we heard this, like, have these people ever been to ESPN before? Are the people that are viewing the esports articles, do they come to ESPN for anything else? And actually, we saw that a lot of the people that were coming, even if the number was smaller, that were coming to ESPN to read esports articles did not read anything else on ESPN. To me, that's a valuable stat, and it's one that's not really mentioned in, in their statement, um, although I don't think that's their entire statement, and we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I think that, like, traffic is not everything. Traffic's obviously important. It's how you convert. But at the same time, like, being successful in esports, selling sponsorships, etc. It's far different than the way you do it in traditional sports, and if we were able to take, you know, ten small sponsorships a year to net our our losses, like I think ultimately we'd still all have jobs, or at least my colleagues would, and I probably would still be gone. But in, in the end, I think everybody else would have jobs, um, and that's just unfortunately not how they thought about things. You know, they they're a company that likes big swings and. So be it, right? Like I'm, I'm not gonna like rail on them for the way that they operate. I think that it doesn't work in esports, but that's fine. It works for them in other things. Um, but yeah, I, I just felt like that statement was really short-sighted. I think that the whole move to close uh close ESPN or ESPN.com's esports department is really short-sighted too, because um, I can tell you we were probably not losing more than one and a half to two million dollars a year, and that's nothing for a company like that, especially if it's an investment in the long term.
0: Well, you know, going back to Dot Esports, so um, somebody who coming from ESPN, you had kind of this muscle and this might that you honestly won't have at Dot .esports. So, I mean, what happens when you're dealing with a major investigation and suddenly you're getting calls from lawyers and this and that? I mean, will Dot .esports have the muscle to back you up? I think so. I mean, it's a thing that
1: I've brought up to Kevin and Riyadh um, multiple times, and I believe them in saying that they stand up for good journalism. I mean, I saw Kevin do it firsthand. Um, with smaller characters than exists in the esports space now, but I saw him do it firsthand when I was working there the first time. And kind of the other part of that too is like part of this decision and not going with a big publication, and you can guess uh, who some of the ones I, I talked to are, um, who have been interested in the space and write about the space. But part of doing this and not trying to pursue that more further uh, really hunkers down to a belief I have that the a fan or a reader being connected to a publication that is going away i actually straight up do not think that uh readers are as connected to publications young readers right the 18 to 35 audience i don't think they care as much about the brand name as much as they care about their right their favorite writers i think they are incredibly connected to the people that they like and you see this at least with me you see this about when I post about things, and this is not intentional, it's just me posting about my life, but posting about things about like giving back presents to my mom, or for Christmas, right? And, and obviously I grew up really poor, so that was something that really mattered to me. Or like posting about my cat, right? Like rescuing a cat this year, and and it being sort of a giant viral social media thread. Like people feel connected to me because I'm a human being and not a content robot, whereas like a lot of the colleagues... That worked in other departments at ESPN, and I'm not saying this offensively, but it's just true. Is like all they ever do is post on Twitter about their articles. They never post about anything about themselves. And I recognize that the audience wants to know Jacob Wolf, the person, as much as they want to know Jacob Wolf, the journalist. Um, and so, to me, like I think that people are connected to me, and I do have a firm belief that my audience will go with me to Dotty Sports. Um, regardless of whether the ESPN name is intact or not. And I think if you look at the type of people who are responding to my announcement post, the the executives in this industry who I'm going to have to be covering respect it too, right? The CEO of Energy responded and, and told me congratulations. The vice president of the Overwatch League responded and told me congratulations, right? Like there are big people in this thread who are telling me congrats, and I don't think it matters whether or not I have the ESPN name. It will about getting in some doors, I'm sure. But it doesn't mean I can't call someone else up that I already know and then get through the door anyway because they know, you know, wherever I'm trying to go. Know the people I'm trying to get in touch mm-hmm. with, basically. So I think, like, my network's big enough at this point that, like, I don't need the ESPN moniker as much as I did four years ago.
0: How important was traffic numbers at ESPN? Like, how badly were editors demanding you, like, bring in a certain number of clicks? Uh, if, the, if that were a demand at all. And then kind of like, what are your goals in terms of like bringing in traffic to dot esports?
1: So it wasn't a goal given directly to me, but I will say, and this is what's really interesting about their statement in the Washington Post is they actually told us that we 2020 traffic was the best traffic we had ever done. And it was a significant multiplier of what we had done in 2019. Interesting. So to contrast that versus you know some of that's because we were doing more seo friendly content and some of that was because uh we were getting some more of that page one front page love that i mentioned uh earlier because we were doing more sort of broad general gaming content around gaming releases and Fortnite and other stuff um so to contrast that versus like what they said about being the lowest traffic vertical and on the website like that's it's a little crazy to me right um i and sort of i don't know mixed messaging i guess i'll put it that way um at Dot, you know, I think that, like, I've seen some under the hood, and I will say that they do a good job at uh, SEO content in particular. I think that, like, they they have pretty good traffic numbers if you go look at Alexa or, or uh, any of the other things that are public that you can get your hands on. Um, so... To me, like, obviously, I want people to read my work and it's a goal, but like, I'm not thinking about how I get the most hits. I'm thinking about how I do the best journalism. And to me, when you compare uh, or when you look at like breaking news in particular and big investigative scoops, Uh, People read those because they're interesting. So I I don't think that like I have to do anything special to get people to click on the website. I think they will come because what I'm going to be writing is interesting and they'll want to read about it anyway.
0: And just for our listeners, uh, SEO means search engine optimization. So it's um, kind of creating content that comes in through Google because Google is a big driver for a lot of uh, websites in terms of traffic and uh, click rates.
1: Yep. Yep and if you and if you look at if you do a Google search for any topic any day say you see somebody post on Twitter about something in esports and then you just search about that said topic you're pretty likely to find dot esports high up on that list on results so they they've they've optimized quite well and and ESPN like we were there that happened for uh some things but not as frequently as it does for somewhere like dot which I think is I think that's a big thing so
0: Yeah, you know, another thing I'm curious about is that because of the financial might that uh, ESPN had, you were able to go to Korea for, like, you know, weeks at a time to cover worlds, or you were able to fly around the country, around the world, really, and do the kind of reporting that you needed to do. I mean, will you have that same level of flexibility now that you're at a smaller publication? I hope so.
1: Um, We certainly have talked about travel and cost and everything, but it's right now, like, we're still in the middle of a global pandemic, right? So... It's, True. It's yes. not like it's top of mind about sending me to South Korea next week. Um, we are trying to think about what we can do while all of us are still at home. Hell, like, I live 25 minutes from Kevin and 10 minutes from Will and not that far away from some of the other Austin, Texas-based people on the staff, and I can't even see them other than maybe an outside coffee like we had a few months ago. right? Like, I can't go into the office with these people yet because it's not safe to do so. And so, like, I can't even go, you know... 10, 15, 20 minutes up the street and spend time with these people every day, much less go around the world. Um, So it is not as much of a uh, consideration right now, but yeah, like it's something we've talked about. And I do think that uh, travel will be a part of my job, but I don't think it will be as simple as just going to an event and covering said event. Uh, I do think it will be with purpose. So like if I have a story that I need to go flesh out and report in person somewhere, and
0: I can make the case for why we should spend that money, I do think that that will happen. And then I guess final question here. Now that you you kind of are controlling the horse more so at Dot Esports than you are at ESPN, how would an investigative story differ at a Dot Esports versus an ESPN?
1: I mean, I think it will have a lot more endemic language to it generally i mean i tried to write for a broad audience but sometimes at espn we definitely had to use some language that was a little bit more explanatory right because you're assuming that it will be reaching someone potentially that has nothing no clue that's about what's going on with esports right like you kind of have to over explain yourself a little bit i don't think that's a bad thing by the way because i do like trying to make my work broad broadly consumable for everyone um but that's a good question i i don't necessarily have the answer to that entirely I mean, at ESPN, they have a fantastic investigative department, um, who do some really great work across traditional sports that I incredibly, like, I admire completely, um, so I won't have access to people like that, but I do think that Kevin is a fantastic editor in his own right, um, and has some real good investigative chops, and I got to see that firsthand while I was there, and have seen some of it since I've left, um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited about that, but I don't have the exact answer of like how they'll look different. Um, but I will say that like my reporting is not going to change. The same quality of reporting I was doing at ESPN will be done at Dot Esports, uh, and I'm going to hold myself to that standard.
0: Well, Jacob, again, a major congratulations to you. I look forward to reading your reporting, and I'm just really excited for where Dot Esports will go next. Thank you. Thank you. Much appreciated. And that was FTW with Amod Khan. If you like the show, please rate, subscribe and share. Full transcripts of the show can be found at ftwamod.com. To follow Jacob and all the work he'll be doing at Dot Esports, you can find him at Jacob Wolf on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at Tom's Guide, find me at Amod on Twitter. And Ron Lines is our audio producer. With that, we'll catch you guys next week.